Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of The Glass. Today, I am here with Wisconsin basketball player Brad Davison. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, I know uh, we've we recently gotten uh, talks a little uh, talking about your new shirt. Uh, I believe you mentioned your sister's brand and. Uh, the word refine, redefined, and I just wanted to start there today. What does what does redefine mean to you? Where did that come up, uh, and how has that been a theme throughout? You know, your t-shirt idea. Yeah, absolutely. So my sister's actually started her own brand um, and got the trademark and the LLC and everything that comes with that about a year ago. And she's had so many really cool designs and she's really just like made the shirts for my family and for friends over the last year. Um, but now she's just started to like launch her website and you get inventory and move it in that direction. And then with the new, um, you know, the new opportunities we have as student athletes with NIL, I was never really able to help promote her shirts or kind of like be a sponsor or a brand or a model, whatever you want to call it. So uh, with those new rules, I actually got the opportunity to like promote her brand. And it was actually perfect timing to where she had just asked me if like there was any word or any style or any like logo or symbol that had been prominent in my life or that God has put on my heart over the last year. And so for me, it was this word redefined. Um, and we're actually both sporting the shirt right now. So that's pretty cool. Um, but so the idea of where I got redefined um, was basically, you know, we live in a world, especially in the sports world, that defines us with all sorts of labels and adjectives. You know, you have your, like, your height, your weight, the color of your skin, color of your skin, um, you know, statistics, comparisons, accolades, good or bad, the world tries to identify us by ultimately either our performance or what goes into our performance. Um, and so for me, it was one of those ideas where, you know, I know that my worth and my value does not come from what people say about me, but ultimately it comes from what God says about us. And, you know, I know that that's true for me, that I've, that's a truth that I've come to learn. That's a truth for everyone. Um, that's a truth that God has put on all of our hearts. Um, and so if you look in scripture, God redefines us with some pretty amazing adjectives and it's like redeemed, chosen, special, masterpiece, um, all these adjectives that, you know, the world doesn't throw around a whole lot, but if you look in scripture, it's all over because that's how much value and worth God puts on us, not as athletes or not as, um, you know, whatever worldly definition or identity we may have, but just as children of God. And just because we're simply a child of God, we are chosen and we are redeemed and we are special. Um, and so that's the idea of where the word came from. And then um, if you look at the shirts, it's kind of just like a little name tag and it, like, who are you? What's your identity? And you're just a reminder that your identity has been redefined and it's redefined each and every day, ultimately by the creator of the universe. Um, so there's nothing much better than that. I, I love it. It's so powerful and just uh, kind of the definition of beauty and simplicity in regards to the message. And so you mentioned, you know, your faith, um, anybody who follows, you know, Big Ten basketball or follows your, your social media accounts knows that your faith is a huge part of your life. How has God laid that foundation? How have you seen that play out in your life? How has that been a theme um, where you've just been continually blessed and found him as your rock? 
Yeah, you know, that's one thing. I think college is a roller coaster for everyone who goes through the college experience, but especially, um, you know, a student athlete. There are so many highs, so many lows. I call it the hills and valleys. Um, it's very easy to get too high and too low. And, you know, when you're winning or when you're playing well or your grades are good, it's really easy to get too high. And then, you know, maybe when you're not performing as much as you'd like, it's easy to get too low. Um, and so my faith to me is everything because it's the thing that holds me content right in the middle. Because um, I know that my self-worth and my self-value does not come from anywhere else except strictly um, you know, ultimately from a good, good father, like the creator of the universe and knowing that and being secure in that ultimately it gives you a sense of freedom from kind of the limits that the world can put on you. And so for me, it's just, I've just been, you know, reaffirmed and encouraged time and time again, um, that no matter what the world throws at you, no matter what storm you go through or what maybe times of darkness or highs or lows, ultimately there's always something for you to fall back on. And so I always say faith is a choice and it's a choice that I have made time and time again um, that I feel like I just continued to get not rewarded by, but just, you know, reaffirmed and encouraged. So, um, you know, I, uh, it's just been my constant and been my rock and something that I've chosen to uh, live my life and stand upon. Yeah, you, you touched on something as, you know, all college students, they, they experience a spectrum of emotion. Um, what are some things being a co collegiate athlete, um, what is, you know, basketball taught you about life, about being a man? What, what are some of those experiences? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I'd say the biggest life lesson, there's two life lessons I learned from basketball. First of all, is that the most important thing uh, in life is your relationships and it's loving other people. Um, and that's one thing that I think it's lost sometimes in the highs and lows of a basketball season or the highs and lows of whatever you go through in college is ultimately the people you surround yourself with and the people you do life with are always the most important thing. Um, and I just learned that time and time again, especially as a student athlete, uh, you know, when there's a lot of people that might praise you, there's also a lot of people that try to reject you time and time again, that, you know, it's the people that you do life with and the people that are in your center circle and that, um, that love you and you love it ultimately, uh, you know, that keep you going. And so just the value of relationships is something that I've really learned in the last four years, about to be five years here in college. Um, and so that's why I'd say this is the biggest life lesson is just how important relationships are. How, how important is, you know, the people you surround yourself with, your friends, your coworkers, how important is that sphere of influence? I think it's everything. You know, I have a good a mentor in my life who always tells me that basically your life is going to be the sum of the five individuals you spend the most time with. Um, so if you're spending your time with five individuals that are leading you the wrong way or maybe doing the right things, ultimately, you're going to fall on that path and fall on that track um, no matter how hard you try, because that is your influence. And those are the people you are doing life with. Um, but when you surround yourself with people that push you, with people that hold you accountable, that encourage you, that love you. And ultimately that reminds you of the identity that you have in Christ. Ultimately, not only does it remind you that you're redefined, but it gives you a purpose and it gives you meaning. And it, instead of chasing success, you know, you start to chase significance and things that are bigger, um, you know, than just the bigger than just this world or bigger than things just right in front of you. Um, so, you know, surround yourself with the group of individuals 
um, you know, that believe in you, that love in you, but ultimately are um, chasing and pursuing the same thing and living life on the same set of values, I think is extremely important. Yeah, we, we've talked about, you know, college and basketball and everything now, and I wanted to take it back. Um, what are some of the qualities uh, that you admired in your parents as you were growing up that you really kind of worked to instill or they worked to instill in your life? Hmm. Yeah, so my mom and dad actually growing up, I have two older sisters who both played basketball at the University of Northern Iowa um, that are four and six years older than me. So we were always super tight. They're my two best friends growing up. And my parents actually coached all of us growing up in basketball um, from a very young age all the way to high school. Um, so I'm from a basketball family, that's for sure. But my parents, man, they are incredible. And, you know, I think the person that I've become is credited a lot good and bad to my parents. Um, but I think one quality that stands out with my parents over the years is just selflessness. Um, you know, to get to get to the point, to get to the level that I'm at, at basketball playing at the Division One level here at the University of Wisconsin, that takes a lot of sacrifices from, um, you know, your family and especially from your parents. Um, whether it's driving to tournaments, late nights in the gym, whatever it may be, financial burdens, like there's a lot of, sacrifices that they make um time and time again and that have continued throughout my career and it just uh, you know it's credited to the amount of selflessness and just humility they have of putting all of us kids first um, and so i think selflessness and having that just servant heart um i think is extremely uh, ad admirable of my parents it's something that i value very much um, it's something that i should tell them i appreciate more yeah and I know where, where I go to school, uh, we have, you know, our pillars of culture for, within our basketball program and servant leadership is a huge thing. And you had just touched on it. And uh, before we started recording, we both talked about a little of the book, uh, Lead for God's Sake. And so what does, what does servant leadership look like for you? How have you seen that? I don't know if you have any stories or you know, personal experience of just what true servant leadership really looks like. Yeah, you know, I think servant leadership is ultimately leading from a place of gratitude and leading from a place of, um, you know, just selflessness. Um, and so you hear the quote a lot about like, humility is not thinking of yourself, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And that's how I kind of see a servant heart. It's thinking of yourself less and thinking of others more. So as you go throughout a day, it's not how can, you know, I serve myself? How can I do this to benefit me? How can I do this? Whatever, having you as the center of the universe, but it's really trying to take yourself off that throne or off that seat and put others there um, and really try to serve them and encourage them. I think that's something in basketball that is a challenge, especially not just basketball, but any sport. Sometimes it's a challenge because as you compete, you're so prone and the world wants you to think about you, like whether how many points you're scoring or how you're playing or however the things may be. Um, but I think having the ability to kind of take yourself out of that center of the universe and be a really good teammate and encourage other people. And even if you're not playing well, like still staying positive and trying to lead by example and say the right things and be there for your teammates. Um, you think that's like a sign I think there's a lot of different things that go into being a servant leader, but definitely just humility and selflessness and putting others before yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you, 
I want to come back to just the basketball again. And uh, this is something I was coming up with some notes and stuff and things I want to touch on. Uh, I was just curious. I wanted to ask you, what has been your favorite moment as a Wisconsin basketball player? Wow. There's a lot of them. There's again, there's so many highs and lows throughout the season, especially when you got the, um, you know, I've been fortunate to have four years of um, so many good memories. My favorite one, I would say, so we won the big 10 regular season championship um, in 2020. So two years ago. Um, and so we had an up and down year. We were battling through all sorts of different adversities on the court and off the court. And we actually won our last eight games of the regular season to win the big 10 regular season title. And we had a, like a big comeback victory at Indiana at assembly hall to clinch it. And then we got the trophy brought into the away team's locker room and we were jumping around and celebrating. We got our hats and our shirt. And it was just a moment that I'll never forget. Unfortunately, then the season got canceled because of COVID about three days later, we didn't have the chance to play in the postseason. Um, so maybe the postseason memories would have topped that one, but um, that memory is something that, you know, nobody can take away from you, but also it's just so, uh, so special just because of the relationships that we had with each other. And we all got to share that moment is what makes it such a cool memory. And you mentioned in your season, uh, experiencing adversity experience, you know, the highs and lows as you do throughout a long season like that. What is something, you know, obviously for you personally, that may be your faith for your team. It may be, uh, and, you know, group faith, but what is, what are some things that you guys do to just work to overcome that adversity? Cause it can be incredibly difficult when you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and I know Tony Bennett, uh, the Virginia coach has a quote that says, you know, if you use it correct, correctly, speaking of adversity, uh, it can punch you a ticket to a place you never thought possible. Mm. And what did, and it sounds like that was kind of a theme for you guys as you ended your season that way, but what does that look like for you when you guys are experiencing adversity? What are you guys, what are you thinking? What are you guys saying to each other as you're looking to overcome those things? Yeah, one quote that we say a lot in our program, it's actually from a mentor of mine, a good friend that helped our team out for the last couple of years, his name is Dave Anderson, but he said it either happened, it either happens to you or it happens for you and you get to choose. Um, and so when you go through adversity or you go through setbacks, you can either, you know, kind of feel sorry for yourself and feel like, well, this is happening to us, or you can kind of flip that switch and change your mindset. Like this is happening for us. So regardless of what we're going through, no matter how bad it may be or how significant it may feel, how can we turn this around and use it to our benefit? Like, how can we make this punch our ticket? Like as coach Bennett would say. Um, and so that was something that we continually said. And so when there was a setback, if there was a loss, if there was things that were going on, like we've tried to use them as lessons and ultimately just come closer and closer together. Cause that's what adversity does. Adversity either makes you break apart, and creates the vision or it really makes you, you know, take away the outside noise, block it out and make you really come together. Um, so that was something that we tried to do that year, but every other year was just really, no matter what adversity we faced, how could it happen for us and how could we use that and turn that ultimately to bring us closer together as a unit and a team. I love it. Yeah. And so we talked earlier a little about lead for God's sake and books and stuff. And I was wondering, you know, what are some of your favorite books or podcasts or I don't know anything that you would recommend to 
anybody at any age. Yeah. Um, so the podcasts that I listen to are actually mainly just church services that I'm not able to attend because they're in different locations. Um, and so two church services that I like to listen to on their podcast is Elevation Church and their pastor's name is Stephen Furtick. Um, I really enjoy his sermons and I really enjoy that church's messages. And then the other one is Life Church and the, and the lead pastor of Life Church is Craig Groeschel. Um, and so they, both of those podcasts, I really enjoy. And those are actually, they actually have written books also that I would love. I, I think everyone should check out. I actually have one right here. Craig Rochelle just wrote it. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. Um, I really enjoyed reading that one. Read it this, this spring. Um, that's a really good one I'd recommend. And then Stephen Furtick has quite a few really good ones too. Sun Stand Still is just, uh, it's a book by Stephen Furtick just about how powerful God is and just like what how powerful prayer can be um and that's really good so i would definitely check out both those books and the other one is there's a podcast called game changer life that's not as much a spiritual podcast it's actually about just mindset and killer instinct and that's by dave anderson you know it has he has little like five minute intros in the morning to listen to and that's actually the book i'm reading right now is by dave anderson it's called intentional mindset uh, the foreword is actually by my head coach, Greg Gard. So that's pretty cool to read. Um, but yeah, this one's all about like developing mental toughness and a killer instinct. And it actually has different um, little badger bullets in it, that it's called. It has like 15 different events of adversity that we face on the road to our 2020 Big Ten Championship. So that's a really cool book. And it's also, um, you know, I know the author and that's awesome. He's a great guy, Dave Anderson. Um, and reading the book about, having parts about your team that you're on it's a pretty surreal experience um but yeah i'd recommend anyone check that book out as well on the game changer podcast and there's a lot of great books out there i could go on and on but there's a few podcasts and books to check out yeah have now just out of curiosity have you ever read the book radical by david platt he is he is a pastor i believe in I don't think so, but the book sounds familiar. Yeah, he the the book is about taking back your faith from the American dream. Um, okay. I would recommend that one. And then uh, you talked at the end there about mindset. Have you read Mindset by Carol Dweck? I have not. That's that's also another one I would recommend to you um, or anybody listening for that matter. Um, but that kind of segues me into you talked about mindset there. How important is your mindset, whether as an athlete, as a, as a coach or, you know, a co or, a, you know, businessman or how important is your mindset as you go about things? I think your, your mindset is probably the most important aspect of everything that you do. Cause ultimately your mindset is the reason behind why you're making decisions. And then your decisions ultimately are what lead to your outcomes. So your mindset directly correlates to your outcomes and to the decisions that you make in your life. Um, and so whether it's in sports or school or relationships, your mindset and kind of your vision and your discipline of how you want to go about things is ultimately defines where you end up. Um, so I think it's, you know, in basketball, we always say like it's 90% mental, 10% physical. Like I think that's probably in most things that you do because ultimately your physical comes from your mental as well. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think we both uh, understand, maybe not completely grasp, but understand the importance of the right mindset. Um, and so the, the center of this podcast is focused on perspective, advice to, you know, high school, college age students. What are some things that you wish you could go back and tell yourself as you were going into your freshman year at Wisconsin? Hmm. Again, I would tell myself to always prioritize and value people and the relationships that you have and the people that you surround yourself with. But one thing that I would want to tell my freshman, my freshman self or my baby badger self, whatever you want to call it, and just any piece of advice for anyone watching this is just that your self-value and your worth comes from God. And that's the only place that we should look for it because your self-value and your self-worth does not come from, you know, your social media followers or your social media engagement or what people say about you or what people write about you or what you see on social media. Your value and self-worth is comes from an unconditional source. And so your performance and whether you mess up or you do really well ultimately does not define you. It does not define or change your value or worth in the eyes of the creator of the universe. Um, and I think that's a truth that I wish I would have figured out earlier because it probably would have saved me a lot of sleepless nights and you know emotional days, uh, wasting my time reading and listening to things that weren't true and just really listening to lies. Um, so I would say just the truth that your self-value and your self-worth comes from an unconditional source and that unconditional source is a God who loves you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm getting the impression, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll just cut this out of the podcast completely, um, but you appear to be one of those guys who almost looks to embrace failure as an opportunity to grow, um, and I think that comes back to mindset, and with that being said, do you have a favorite failure that comes back to mind? Um and it, it is, it, it's tough to think about because you don't think about failure as having a favorite one. And, but, you know, do you have something that, you know, looking back uh, kind of helped propelled you or pushed you into a spot that you didn't see possible at first? Ooh. There are a lot of, this sounds good, but I've, I have a lot of failures. <laughs> uh, secrets out. Um, you know, I don't know if I have a favorite failure, but I think my favorite failures are the ones where you can reflect on and look back and see how far you've come. And that's when you truly, once you gain perspective on the failure, you truly, um, you know, there's a sense of accomplishment and just gratitude, accomplishment for where you're at and gratitude for what you've been through. Um, and I, there are so many examples of what I could say for that, but a couple of them, like one of my, like, it was actually about basketball, an example, like one of my failures was I got to freshman year, we missed the NCAA tournament. And so that was the first year Wisconsin had never had missed the NCAA tournament. We had, I'm not trying to make excuses for us, but we had two, we had three injuries. We were playing with five scholarship guys. We had a mixed match with young team. Um, we were dealt a rough hand, but we missed the NCAA tournament. And so that failure, ultimately, I didn't realize the significance of that until the next year when we made the NCAA tournament. And I had a sense of appreciation for that moment because last year we missed out on that. 
So because of that failure, ultimately it gave me more appreciation when ultimately we got to where we wanted to get to. But that's the, that's the beauty of sports. It's also the, you know, the ugliness of sports is then once you get there, we got there my sophomore year and we lost, we lost first round to Oregon. We got upset and I didn't have a field goal. So I, I didn't play well, one of my worst games of the year. So then there was another, this other failure um, that, you know, that's one thing in sports is there's no such thing as perfection. So everything you do in a sense is kind of a failure because you're never really performing as well as you could. Um, so my sophomore year didn't, didn't, didn't make a field goal. And the next year, ultimately, we got our season cut short because of COVID. But then last year, we made it back to the NCAA tournament. And there was a sense of appreciation because we knew what it felt like to fail or come up short. Um, and actually, in our first game, we won. So we got a win in the NCAA tournament. And I played really well against North Carolina and had a few field goals. And so I had a sense of appreciation for that because of the failure that I went through before. And so I think that's just like a good illustration of how failures, if you use them the right way, ultimately can give you appreciation kind of as you climb that mountain and gain perspective on how far you've come. And the only reason, only way that you can do that and gain that perspective is if you allow that failure to fuel you and you don't just allow that failure to make you stop. Um, that's just an example from basketball. And there's a lot more examples of places I've failed where I've sent and had the perspective and then there's a sense of gratitude that comes with it. Yeah, I, I think uh, it was Jill Ellis. There's a Netflix series uh, highlighting uh, impressive coaches who have had uh, remarkable stories. And I believe it was Jill Ellis, uh, the women's national soccer team coach, uh, who talked about mountaintops are cold, rocky, and you can't stay long. Um, and, and you're at the mountaintop to see where the next mountain is. So you can go back down into the valley to climb another mountain um and i i think that again puts that into perspective what you're uh talking about do you have a a routine you know i i think a routine is incredibly important whether it's a checklist routine just things you need to do throughout the day or you know five minute segments of stuff you need to do do you have a routine and what does that look like for you yes sir i'm a big morning guy um, so I am a big morning guy and I am a huge believer in having quiet time. Um, for me, yeah, the way I view quiet time is like your phone, your phone's a battery, your phone has a battery on it. If you use your phone too much, just like how we use ourselves too much, our battery is going to go down. And so what do we plug into to get recharged and to get reset and to get refueled? Um, so similar to putting a phone in a charger and allowing it to refuel, that's how I kind of view quiet time. And so with me valuing quiet time a lot and then being a morning person, I have a morning routine. <laughs> um, and so my morning routine is I love to get up and I put, you know, some of my favorite worship music playlists on and I just have time in the word. Um, and so that, that is, that changes throughout my life. Um, over the last six, seven years as I've been, um, you know, a Christian and following Jesus, I've changed my quiet time up over the years, but right now, I, um, you know, I read like a chapter in my book and take notes on that. And then I also, I just started reading through the book of Acts um, and just kind of going paragraph by paragraph. And what I do is I actually kind of create like a mini sermon out of that paragraph. If I was to preach it, if I was to teach it to somebody, this is what I would do. And so as I 
come up with that outline, I feel like it's, and write things down. I feel like it kind of saturates in my soul a little bit better and I remember it better. Um, and so that's what my morning routine is right now. Um, but again, that has changed year to year, month to month, just as I get different people telling me to do different things or different things in my heart. Um, so that's just my routine right now. And then after that, I, uh, you know, I take my slippers off and change and I go to the gym and I do a shooting workout and then my day starts. Yeah, I, I love it. Sounds like a great morning to me. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so if I recall correctly, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you took an extensive break from social media or at least Twitter. Um, was it this past season or the season before, or maybe even both? both. Um, was that, was that uh, for kind of an extensive charge or um, was that from the negativity on social media or how did you feel or throughout that break away from social media like that? Yeah, you know, for me, it was kind of a personal mental health decision, I would say. Um, you know, I thought I was in a position where I felt like Twitter was not adding any value to my life. And instead, it was doing the opposite and kind of not only taking value away from my life, but kind of hurting my own self-value. Um, and so there's a lot of things that played into that. But I just realized that I was spending whether I was spending too much time into it or reading too many things on it, whether it was positive or negative, because that's the one thing with social media, it gets way too high and it gets way too low. So, and that's one thing I learned over my kind of hiatus away from Twitter is that social media is as real as you make it. And that truth is not found on Twitter. <laughs> truth is found in the Bible. Um, and that's where somewhere I just made a decision where I felt like this was not adding any value any of the value that I wanted in my life at that time. Um, and so there's a, so many things that I learned in that two and a half years. Um, and there's, there's a list on that I could go through, but just that, you know, social media is as real as you make it. And that the things that people say about you, you know, their opinion, they're not fact, <laughs> they're, they're not true. There doesn't mean they're lies, but they're not true. And so we ultimately have, it's a choice if we allow it to reign true in our lives. Um, and so, there's a couple of things that I've, a couple of quotes and phrases that I've read in books that I love in regards to social media and Twitter, but ultimately, you know, like why would you, you shouldn't take advice. You shouldn't take criticism from people you should, yeah, you don't, that you wouldn't take advice from. And so that's something on Twitter. There's a lot of people that don't know you or have never met you or have never even had a conversation with you, but they have a lot of different things to say about you. And ultimately, if you're going to read it and if you're going to see it, you don't need to. You, you, that's a decision that you can make to just kind of make it not real. It doesn't have to have an impact on your life. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot of different reasons of why I got off. Um, but now I feel like I'm in the mental headspace um, for this last season to, and there's a lot, there's also, I'm not trying to just spat on Twitter, but there's also a lot of great things with the platform you can do on social media. Um, but yeah, that was kind of the reasoning why I got away and some of the truths I learned. Um, and yeah, now I'm back on and we'll, I'm back on, but I just don't really read any of it. So <laughs> that's where I'm at with Twitter now. Yeah, I think, and I, I've had a very love-hate relationship with social media as well. I've taken extensive breaks too. And um, it, it's, it can be hard to find balance because you begin to find yourself spending more and more time on it and you're conscious of it and you want to get away, but 
again you choose not to because it it, it is addicting it's like a drug mm -hmm. and i just didn't know do you have again any advice to somebody who may be struggling with social media or how to balance their time on that and time reading or spending time with family or just time being active do you have any advice or anything you want to speak into that yeah i would just say kind of just check your priorities to be blunt and you gotta if you really ask yourself what's more important like what's more important so the reason you're reading a book is to learn is to gain insight is to gain wisdom so if you ask yourself what's more important gaining wisdom and gaining insight into a topic that i enjoy or reading a people's opinions about things that you really don't you don't interact with or if it's you know whether it's hanging out with family like what's more important again reading through social media or looking at pictures of other people or actually like spending meaningful time with the people that are in front of you and I think when we really look in the mirror and ask ourselves those questions like it's a pretty easy answer of what's more important and like what's ultimately gonna feel better but also be more enjoyable in the long run so i think there is a time and place for social media but we should always prioritize the people that are in front of us physically in front of us um so that would just my advice would be to ask you like be honest with yourself and ask serious questions is this adding value in my life and is this am or am i valuing this above other priorities that probably should hold um you know a greater value in my heart and a greater value with my time because ultimately the way we show value to something is how much time we give it. So if our screen time is nine hours a day, we're probably giving a little bit too much value to what's on that screen. Yeah. And so as we kind of begin to wrap it up here, what are, what is, what are some things that you're excited for as we kind of begin to end our summer and move into your last year of college, move into the school year as a whole? Yeah, mainly for me, I have a really young team. I have a lot of guys that this is kind of their first experience, whether they're true freshmen or whether they were freshmen last year, didn't really get the true college basketball experience with everything we were going through with COVID. I'm really excited just to continue to develop and strengthen the new relationships that I have with all those guys and actually getting to hang out with them. And even last year, I didn't really get the chance to play with them because um, you know, we had an older team. So just really excited to spend time and develop those relationships with those guys. And then, um, you know, also I'm so excited to get my family and my girlfriend and my friends back in the gym for basketball games and to go to Camp Randall for football games and just like to walk around campus or go to church and actually have interaction with people. I think that's something that I was kind of starved of last year. So um, you know, I think because of last year and the challenges that everyone faced, there's almost more of an appreciation and excitement for what's to come just with being with people and doing life with people um, and having them be able to experience the things that you're going through and also get to experience what they're going through. I think it's probably what I'm most excited about. Awesome. So now I've got a little bit of a lightning round for you. Um, Lightning these are just, yeah, these are all just first thing that comes into your head uh, right away. And so my first question for you is, what is your favorite Bible verse? John 3.30, he must become greater, I must become less. Love it. If you owned a billboard, what is one quote you would put on it for everyone to see? 
sacrifice what you are for what you want to become. Love it. If you could sit down for dinner with anyone from any time period, where would you eat and who would it be with? I would go to Hibachi, a Hibachi restaurant where they cook like the sushi and the steak in front of you. I, that's my favorite meal. Right. And I <laughs> love to. Um, can I do? Okay, it's got to be quick. So I'm going to go with Craig Rochelle. Okay. If you could ask Craig one question, what would it be? This isn't even a part of lightning round. I'm just curious to see what you would yeah. ask him. I would ask him, if you were a college basketball coach, what would be your main message to your team from a pastoral? He's a head pastor of a very large church. But if I asked if you were a college basketball coach, how would you lead your team? Interesting. And then I want my to be last a college question, basketball coach someday. Right. Right. So the my last question, the lightning round is what one daily action makes or breaks your day? Or has the capacity to make or break your day? I need three meals. Otherwise I get like, I get very hangry and like, just, I can feel myself getting like irritable and impatient, whether it's like with myself, with other people. So like, I need three meals. You can ask my girlfriend. She is probably what she would say too. <laughs> so, and now, now I just want to ask for fun again. What are, what are your ideal three meals? You've got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What are, what are your ideal three meals? Breakfast I'll make. And I will make like either a sausage scramble, like a sausage egg and pepper scrambler with some peanut butter toast, or I'll just make pancakes and sausage. That's like, that's so, that's awesome. And then my Classic. lunch, I'm getting forage. It's a restaurant here on campus. It's only in Madison. There's two restaurants in Madison, but I get it every day. It's a power bowl, like a grain bowl. So good. So good. That's my lunch without a doubt. And then my dinner, my dinner can change. It's flexible, but I, um, ideal, this is like ideal, then would probably be a hibachi meal. Wow. That, that sounds like a good day for me. Um, but yeah, I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this today. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming, coming on and sharing what you've learned, what you know, um, Again, I can't thank you enough. I truly appreciate it. Thank you for having me.